0: Welcome to Journal Talk, a weekly podcast about journal writing for passion, clarity, and purpose.
1: Passion. Reignite that passion for the things and people you care about most.
0: Clarity. Discover who you are and what you really want.
1: Purpose. Get to the heart of life's issues to remember your divine purpose.
0: And now, here's your host of Journal Talk, Nathan Oren.
2: There's a Journal Talk listener out there in the Miami, Florida area. Her name is Maria Dominguez. She reached out to me for help. She works for the uh, Independence Fund. It's a nonprofit organization that was set up to help people who served in the military and were wounded during their service. And one of the most significant contributions that the Indy Fund has made is providing motorized wheelchairs and other types of devices that help veterans to regain their independence and take on the tasks of managing their lives. And every year, the Independence Fund has a big retreat for all the veterans. And this, I believe, this spans countrywide. It's all around the United States. They have services for people So, anyone who is part of this group is able to come and enjoy the retreat. There are all types of services. There are games. There are, there's music. They usually end every retreat in a big uh, concert. Most of the time, these retreats revolve around, as you might imagine, from these are, these are warriors. These are people who uh, were in combat and are armed services. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on sports and games and competition. And so they have basketball games and uh, football games. This year was a little different. They decided to make this year about the focus was going to be about arts and crafts and basically reaching people through spirit and and that way. So Maria called me up and said, I would love to have journal writing to be at this event, it would do so well. Maria herself is a yoga instructor, and I'd love to have her on the program sometime. We could talk to her about uh, ways that she has helped people. But she was just adamant to get a journal instructor to come and to be there. I'm all the way over in Santa Barbara, and I was not going to be able to take off work for the time to come over and, and do it myself. And I personally don't have the experience of working with military folks i'm sure there's just a little bit of (laughs) preparation (laughs) and uh, experience i think it would be necessary but i did turn to the journal to the self community it's a community basically built by kathleen adams and the center for journal therapy i turned to my colleagues of uh, journal therapists and i met two lovely ladies one of them is my guest today her name is linda peterson And she is a professor of pediatrics and family medicine at the University of Nevada School of Medicine. She taught medical students, interns, and residents for several years. She's written over 60 publications and a book while teaching nationally and internationally. She's certified in intensive journal, and she is also a journal to the self-instructor, of course. That's how we met. And we've had just an amazing conversation. There's a lot of things I would love to uh, prepare you for. I'll give you just a few. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And one of the ways that we start out is talking about the movie American Sniper. And just that whole experience, what it's like for the family, what it's like for the, the warrior, the, the the military person... And, you know, to be in a situation like that, if you haven't seen the movie, put it on your list. It's very interesting. And how would journal writing provide aid and relief and breakthrough and and healing from experiences like post-traumatic stress and alcohol issues? And, you know, there's just there's so many big psychological issues, you know, way, way back in episode, I think it was episode three or four. When I was first putting together these podcast episodes, I said way back then that I would love to talk with some folks who have used journal writing to be a way of, of helping people through post traumatic stress disorder. And here we are. This is, uh, I believe the first episode that's uh, really dedicated to that as a topic. There, there is a point in the interview where I play a sort of devil's advocate. Because she's uh, Linda is making some pretty strong statements about some of the reforms she would like to see in the hiring or the selection, I should call it, the selection of our troops and how we prepare them for what they're about to experience and how to readapt them back into regular civilian life again after they're finished. And I play a little bit of a devil's advocate, and there's some fun conversation about all that. One of the things Linda refers to is a Native American model of preparing youth for wartime, and it really uh, sheds some interesting light on the conversation about who is selected for such service and how they're prepared. Linda has developed a six-week journal writing curriculum called Write Out Loud, specifically for people in the military. It's available online, and it was presented for the uh, National Trauma and Loss in Children Institute. She just has a very, just a beautiful gift for working with these groups, Uh, not only military, but children and children of military families. And she presents a very, very unique way of offering, you know, the old faithful Ira Progoff Stepping Stones journal writing exercise. If you don't know about it, keep listening. It's uh, about three quarters of the way into the interview, almost, I guess, maybe closer to the end. The Stepping Stones exercise. She talks about a wonderful, creative way to approach that with children and for children to get a lot out of their Journal writing, basically. I mean, it's not even journal writing at that age, but she has a really beautiful exercise. I love talking with Linda. I'm sure you will love hearing about all of this. Please enjoy. Let me know if you have any comments, questions. Post something on the website if you get something out of this. I love hearing your feedback. Keep on writing, and I'll talk to you next
3: week. Do, da, da, da. Great. Well, with me now is Linda Peterson. Linda, welcome to Journal Talk. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Finally. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> We've been working on this for in a while. <laughs>
4: uh,
3: for a while. For a while. But it's good because there's so many more things that have happened and, and noteworthy to talk about since we first started. For example, you know, if we had had our way and had this, this interview back in, what what was it, the summertime? Yes last summer so almost a year ago if we had had our way and and had that interview happen back then we would have never had the great example of the movie American Sniper to start off with right because that was probably just still in the making or not even I don't know Linda thank you for your time thank you for being here i'm so excited to share a, an interview with you and and i just love what you're doing and i'm i think it's such important work and it's stuff that people get easy to get confused and not know where to go and not know how how can journal writing relate with military stuff and how does that work and this is so good this is so good to talk about thank you for your time
5: you're so welcome
3: tell us i I have not yet seen the movie believe it or not Uh, I, i pick my movies very scarcely and but it is on my list it'll probably be the next one i see Tell us I, I saw the preview for it. It is compelling and uh I'd love to I'd love to know a little bit about your take on it.
5: Okay. For anyone who wants to know, I'm married to an Air Force pilot. So of course we see everything that comes out that relates to war activity or anything to do with the military and mm-hmm. having lived with this guy for a long time, I've also had a good in-person dose of post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. But when we went to the movie, I thought that it was well done for a movie, and I bet you anything it's been edited a lot. It got down to the essentials of what happens when a veteran is deployed on multiple deployments, and it certainly covers well the aspects of what it's like for the family to literally not have that lawyer in the home and the children hardly know that lawyer and the wife has almost given up on him <laughs> and there's some pretty major issues. It touches on those issues. It mm. also touches at the, oh, probably three fourths into the movie on some of the post-traumatic stress, some of the issues with alcohol that the warrior is engaging in as he comes back into our world. But one of the things that one might look at, which Ed Tick, who has a PhD and a major force in my world, uh, has mentioned, is that the movie does not cover the really major issues that many warriors have to deal with. It's covers more the John Wayne American approach to movies (laughs) and that we are heroes and we're after the bad guys. And so Ed points out that we are not exposing and we're not looking at the major psychological issues that our veterans have and the fact that 22 to 23 veterans kill themselves every day in Mm. this city. So he brings up the fact that underneath the movie of the bad guys versus the good guys is a whole other scenario where moral injury and the change of identity disorder occurs among veterans who have not been involved in killing before. And he Mm -hmm. also points out that there have been millions of civilians who have been killed who are not the bad guys. There's a bit of a scene in the movie with a little boy who picks up a rifle and almost begins shooting it, but puts it down and walks away. So the American soldier does not harm the child. Mm. So if you know this world and if you know behind the scenes what is going on, you've got to give Clint Eastwood kudos for touching on a lot of those issues. But if you're not familiar with the military or the psychological undercurrent, Ed would say that the movie shows American denial by focusing on a hero and not really looking at the many, many tragedies that are going on right in our midst.
3: Mm -hmm. Do you think that the warriors are... Because there's a the whole training program, I would imagine. I mean, they've got to learn on the very first level just just the technical training of how to use the weapons and how to use, you know, what they're doing and and how to assemble and, and all of the you know boot camp level stuff. I'm imagining. I've never been in the military myself, but I imagine there's all that basic training, and d- beyond that is is Ed suggesting that there's another level of psychological training that's missing?
5: Absolutely. You've got it, Nathan. That's exactly what he's suggesting. And certainly those of us who have worked with military families, even if it's one-on-one over the years, would tell you that there are major psychological issues. And a lot of these guys come back and they withdraw. They find it very hard to fit into this culture. And there is a schism between how the military lives in their smaller communities, their military communities, versus the American society in terms of how we reintegrate our warriors.
4: Mm-hmm. And
5: Ed's primary focus, which I love, has been anthropological, looking at the warrior tradition over time, where young men were initiated through a warrior training where they learned to find the inner warrior. But it was done in a much more simple one-on-one against the enemy rather than this highly technological force where we certainly have been superior in our weapon development, but mm-hmm. we haven't focused on the initiation of the human being themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the orders that are given, for example, we have a local veteran who came back and wrote a lot of poetry about his war experience and then one day went into the backyard and shot himself at the total Mm -hmm. shock of his family. And what came out of this was he had been given orders to blast his Humvee through an Iraqi a town and a little four-year-old boy ran into the street and oh he God. wanted to stop his group and the group said, no, we're on order and they smashed through the little boy and he couldn't get that thought out of his mind and it violated everything in his moral code to be that inhumane so mm-hmm. what we haven't been looking at as a culture are the actions and how they affect the human spirit. Ed Tick has written a book called War and the Soul. He talks about in multiple sniper work or killings how some of these soldiers come back and they feel like the soul has split off from the body. Mm. and Ed has some beautiful quotes in his book war on the soul about his interview with this man and i have included it also in write out loud so that the public begins to look at these deeper levels
3: yeah yeah i i want to take i hear i've got sort of the angel and the devil on my shoulder right now so <laughs> i hear what you're saying and then there's this whisper uh to me saying you know uh, we've got to protect our country we've got to we've got to use force i mean there's times when we have to use force and we have to have a a group trained and ready to do that if we if needed and we don't have time perhaps to go through this psychological training and get everybody all all warm and fuzzy in fact we can't we can't afford to have people i mean the soldiers out on the front lines need to take orders and an act machine-like and if we if they're going to be in touch with themselves and you know fully actualized human beings they're not going to be effective target trigger people that we that we need them to be we should take care of all that stuff after it's over and when they are integrating back in but as you pointed out if we get them back in touch with their feelings and, and have them re-explore all those negative experiences, it brings on a great deal of depression and probably it's no use. So we're doing it the right way.
5: <laughs> I like the <your> devil. <laughs> I think he's got a message for us. Absolutely, we need a warrior class. And there are certain people who really are meant to pick up this soldiering and do it in the ways that you're describing. It it takes a dehumanization in order to kill, and in every war that we have been in, we've, you know, the military uses slang to dehumanize the enemy,
4: mm-hmm. and
5: mm-hmm. so that has made it possible for our soldiers to kill. However. What I'd like to talk about is more than just afterwards. Afterwards is really important, and I'll get to that in a moment. One of the things we're not doing is we do not initiate our teenage men in this culture. And traditionally, they have been initiated by the military. We've left it to the military to initiate them. Whereas in the wisdom cultures and the Native American tradition, Our warriors were initiated, they were taken by the men, they had to do a retreat, they had to learn how to manage emotion, they had to learn how to fight and defend themselves, they had to learn how to live with women and understand their needs. We don't do that. And instead, we have this extended teenage time and we send people off to war, often that are not psychologically prepared to go, and Ed thinks Mm -hmm. there's about one in a hundred men that are really (laughs) able to and fit in a war situation.
3: One percent of the people that are taken are really have the personality profile for combat, is that what you're saying?
5: Right. They don't have that personality profile. And in a war, and particularly after a 9-11 situation, a lot of these guys said, I'm going to go no matter what. I'm going to serve my country even without recognizing what they were getting into or Mm -hmm. knowing what they were capable of doing.
3: Does Ed suggest that people self-select into the service?
5: I think that they would if they had been initiated early and understood where their place was in the community of man. Different people have different things to bring to our society and to our communities. In the case of a nine eleven situation, a lot of times these guys self-selected out of a sense of heroism, mm-hmm. a sense of mm-hmm. devotion to country, which is very commendable. But a lot mm-hmm. of them found that they didn't realize what they were getting into. Now one of the one of the points Ed also makes is on the other end when the warrior comes back our communities should as ancient communities did bring that warrior into the greater community allow them to tell their stories allow them to do some kind of a cleansing which in ancient cultures meant going into a sweat lodge or being submerged in water and being forgiven and brought back into the whole of the culture
4: as mm-hmm. opposed
5: to being separated, being put off, not cared for in a in a more compassionate way. And he points out that our culture because we sent these guys into war should also carry part of the burden of their reentry rather than simply labeling them with a disorder like post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. So there is a place for us to try to reach out and to assist in this. Ed does small group work with these guys. Mm -hmm. He does a Mm -hmm. lot of Native American practices, like I mentioned, the sweat lodge, weekend retreats, and forgiveness cultures. He has taken Vietnam vets back to Vietnam had them meet up directly with their enemy and forge a new relationship. So he's looking at the wholeness of trying to reincorporate what he calls not a soldier but a warrior that has restraint, that has compassion, that Mm -hmm. has still the ability to stand up and support, protect the community from which he came.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. Well, thank you for sharing a lot about War on the Soul, and I'll definitely put a link up uh, for that that's on great. my site somewhere. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a gar- lot of great stuff in there, and I could see that he uh, and his partner have deeply inspired and influenced you. I want to talk about you, though, for a minute. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening. To Journal Talk. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you'll love receiving our weekly show summaries. These are short articles, complete with links to additional resources and book recommendations for each episode of Journal Talk. Head over to our website at writeforlife.us and subscribe to Journal Talk. You'll receive a free index of past episodes, plus a weekly summary and reminder when a new episode is published. Thanks again for listening. And now, back to more Journal Talk.
3: Okay, we're back with Linda. Tell us what do you bring to this, and can you talk a little bit about what inspired the book, Write Out Loud?
5: (laughs) You know, this is a strange thing. Mark Twain
3: said, "Write about what you know."
5: (laughs) The military is not so much what I know, but I have certainly experienced it in my own personal life. And writing Write Out Loud was inspired by getting invited to give a summer workshop at the National Trauma and Loss Society in Michigan one summer. And it just so happened at the same time I was taking Kay Adams' curriculum course. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, this is where I'm going to put my energy and try to develop a six-week journal curriculum called Write Out Loud that would be appropriate for the military. And as, at the time that I did it, I actually created it for children and spouses left behind with the notion that some of the prompts and journal writing could be done with the warrior on Skype or through letters or email or that kind of thing. So that's how this evolved. And as I got into it, I just realized that I needed a three-year graduate study and thing, so it evolved into a much bigger project then. Isn't that
3: funny? I want, I want to do a six-week program, but first I got to take three years of education to get it <laughs> all worked.
5: so, if there's uh, anybody out there that does journaling that is interested in in this I will tell you at this point, having been there, done this, I have an online program called Write Out Loud, and it is with the National Trauma and Loss in Children Institute. And Mm -hmm. that would be a quick and easy way for somebody to get this education without taking all the time it took me to find it. Sure,
3: sure, sure. (laughs) I understand. So tell us what, give us an example of using journal writing or just writing, just, you know, you mentioned poetry, and and, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of uh, approaches through writing to help in the the lives of uh, people in the military, their families, and so forth.
5: Right. There are a lot of wonderful vets that have come back and put out writing programs for other vets. One of the qualities that does concern me in some of these programs is that the vets tend to write over and over about their war experience without yeah. going to another level with it. And they can get caught, as Pennecker talks about trauma, if we continue to write about it over and over and don't see the bigger picture of it. hmm mm-hmm we can get caught and re-traumatize ourselves. Now, that's I've also seen exquisite writing and heard it by many of the lawyers here in, in Reno that have been helped by their colleagues to get further along in that process. What mm-hmm. I have been intrigued by is putting together Ira Progoff's work in journaling with Kay Adams work. And Mm -hmm. um, I like to start with both children, spouses, and vets using, having them write the stepping stones of their life, and Mm
4: -hmm.
5: putting it into a context that helps them see how they were drawn to this lifetime, who their mentors were, how they got to where they are right now.
4: Mm -hmm. And (laughs)
5: Even with the kids, I've developed a little art project where they have umbrellas and they write in the folds of the umbrellas all the good things that happened in their lives and some of the things that were not so good. So they begin Mm. to look at at the overall picture. And sometimes... People will write something very inane and <laughs> not very. You know, they'll do one-word sentences down their stepping stones, mm-hmm. and I'll say, "Hey, let's go into this um, high school and, and cluster it, mm-hmm. and I'll draw mm-hmm. and put some lines out." Tell me the people that in, that really touched you. Who was your favorite teacher? What What were you drawn to? What were you good at in high school? Trying mm-hmm. to get more of a sense of who they are and and how they got there. Yeah.
3: It. Yeah. And for people who may not know, there's going to be listeners who know exactly Stepping Stones, what the activity, and Ira Progoff. Linda, maybe if you could just take, you know, 60 seconds and explain the Stepping Stones activity and how it would relate, how you would use it in this context.
5: Okay. What we usually do is just say, I want you to make a grocery list that would cover your life, and it'll start with something like, I was born and... I had, a, then my sister was born, and then my brother was born, and my dad was working for the military as a pharmacist, and then I would write what I what happened in um, my preschool years.
4: Mm-hmm. Then I might
5: write about my grade school years, any significant issue that occurred or issues that occurred then, and another... In high school. For example, in my situation, my brother put a knife into his eye, um, and I was 16 and drove him to the hospital because my mom had a total meltdown. That was the beginning of my nursing career. But I'm trying to get people to look at incidents in their lives that gave them a nudge towards a certain aspect, certain archetype, and, and it it was really meant to be that their life unfolded in
3: that particular way. Mm-hmm.
5: mm-hmm.
4: So yeah, I
3: love I love the, um, the also. I don't know if you use the number twelve when I took the um, intensive journal program that Doctor Progress developed. I remember the instructor telling me, try to get it to the as close to the number twelve as possible, like picking out uh-huh. twelve distinct periods of my life. Um they don't have to be in any chronological order, and we'll take care of that later. But if you pick out twelve defining moments or twelve pivot points or twelve stages, or you know how would you how would you list those twelve main phases and then, as you're saying they're they're kind of stories of who, who how how I came to be who I am today
5: exactly that's great yeah yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. beautiful. That's a great way to work with, I would think, all the whole family of the, the warrior veteran and family members, too. Yeah. Right. I, I like that you, how you uh, explained even working with kids. They have a lot less life experience behind them, but I wonder, do you say seven stepping stones instead of 12 when it comes to working with kids?
5: yeah you know there I have these two umbrellas in the kids' section of, and it's my life so far. These are the good things in my life. These are some of the challenges I've had, and I've got about ah, okay, okay. Be about eight or ten yeah. and one of the things that's critical with the military child is these kids know they better be they have to really toe the line, and so a lot of times they're afraid to tell you the things that haven't been so good. And one of the stories I love that Lynn Hall created, who wrote Counseling Military Families, there's a story, and I'm reading from Right Out Loud at this point, and she said, there's a story, though I don't know it's true, that years after the Biosphere 11 was built outside Tucson, the trees inside started to fall over. It caused a lot of concern for those responsible because even though they discovered the roots were even, they were only a few inches deep, they could find no sign of disease or mold or any other reason for the trees to be so unstable. So the scientists finally decided it was because there was no wind inside the biospheres that the roots did not need to grow deep and hold up the trees.
4: Mm.
5: Since the trees sink deep roots, is to counter the force of the wind. So it makes sense that each of us need a certain amount of stress produced by the wind in our lives so we can grow deep roots and stand tall. So I usually like to tell that story to the kids, yeah. and then I will say, let's write about the, the wind that's been hitting on your life that hasn't felt so good, but maybe's putting down deep roots. And then I'll have them write some stuff and stand up and I'll say, now I'm going to see if I can push you over and I'll give them a little nudge and see if you can think about really setting those roots into the ground. So Uh there are ways of viewing stepping stones with kids that has to get by the, what if I tell the truth and I get in trouble?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, brilliant. Thank you. That's great. That's a great example. Thanks. All right. I have boy. There's so much. I want to talk briefly about the retreat that I wasn't able to go to. <laughs> the part that I think that I'd love for you to share is you know working with. In this case, it was uh, disabled, specifically for disabled uh, veterans, and you know, what it was like to be there and work with them and I, I know that it was not quite the it wasn't necessarily a writing workshop but we were allowed to set up a writing clinic or a writing booth right. and have a presence there and I was just so grateful that well, first of all grateful to the, you know, General for the Self community for being able to reach out to, you know, uh you and Cherokee and, and find people who are able and willing to go and and have that experience and help the uh, help help make a presence. And a shout out to Maria Dominguez for um really really calling on us to be there and and to do this work. So could you share a uh, uh, maybe an insight or two from that experience?
5: Sure. One of the things I I'd, I'd like to say is, is thank you Nathan. It wouldn't have happened without you. Um mm. This felt like a guardian angel kind of for me because I've been working in this field, wanted to get into it, had tried in Reno to approach the VA, and I'm sure this happens to many civilian therapists. We are not welcomed. It's not felt for the most part that civilian therapists know how to deal with military because they haven't been there, done that. And Mm -hmm, to a large mm -hmm. degree, there's a lot of truth in that. So getting to go to Indie or the Indy Foundation retreat in Savannah, Georgia last summer was really <laughs> eye-opening for me. It was not billed as a writing workshop, right. and it was billed as an art workshop. And the Indy Foundation had many artists there that did clay and drawing and all kinds of fun, artistic kinds of things. Most Mm -hmm. of the warriors were in wheelchairs, many of them. And one of the main insights I had is that, and this goes back to our discussion of American Sniper, is that these guys really need to recapture a sense in the body that they have a capability that they can do as much as possible. And so Mm -hmm. they had (laughs) wheelchair races and tried to recapture a lot of the physical things that the guys would like. So basically, going there with the notion of doing a writing workshop was not a top priority for people. They wanted to do the physical, and they wanted to do the artwork. So what Cherokee and I found is that we had to make connections with these guys where they were. and. Mm -hmm went to where they were doing their artwork and talked to them. There were some music workshops they went to and I attended one of those and talked to a Wounded Warrior at the music retreat who was getting back into music as his way of reentry. We had to begin to do much more pairing of the physical with the mental. I the, see. Maria's work with yoga was a great catalyst to bring these people into our writing clinic because they had to go through our house to get to her yoga workshop. Uh-huh. And uh, what happened was a lot of individuals, particularly the wives, showed more interest in the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maria and I had an evening meeting, kind of a group gathering of wives and. They suggested some interesting things that you and I have talked about. And another insight was don't bill this as journaling because that word is not something they resonate to. One of the Mm -hmm. wives said, bill it as blogging, even though it's not necessarily blogging. Use some of the terminology
3: that... That they're expecting, yeah.
5: ...grab these people, yeah.
3: Right, yeah. So that was
5: kind of an interesting insight... Cherokee went to lunch with a group of English and Canadian soldiers and engaged them in some writing activities after the lunch was over. So it was what we learned is you have to be where they are. You can't, you know, put a program that you might have prepared for months (laughs) on writing and journaling into effect (laughs) without joining them in whatever activities they want to do.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, I appreciate your being there. And and it sounds like, you know, if if you were able to work with as many people as that, then you made a, you made, who knows? Who can know? Right. You know, that, that, that might uh, ripple out into. So that, that was good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm wondering if we can bring this back around and maybe offer up. You gave the stepping stones exercise, as an example, did you want to share any other takeaway, something for people to try out or consider as we move forward? I would. You know,
5: to anybody who stayed with us this long, <laughs> I'm delighted <laughs> you're still with us. And I I would like to close with a takeaway that EdTIC, again, has brought to my attention, but I already had it in the Write Out Loud facilitator guide for working with military. And the point is that he says, and I so agree, that you have to be able to identify in your own life and your own stepping stones where you faced a life or death situation that put you on razor edge and Mm -hmm. you had to face your own fear. Because the people that you're going to be working with have put their life on the line for you. And if they don't think that you've put your life on the line, they're not going to be able to identify with you.
4: Mm -hmm.
5: So Mm -hmm. what I would say is do a prompt for yourself like, why am I drawn to this population of people? Where have I Brought my ability to go beyond my fears and work through something that scared me to death and I felt like my life was on the line. Identify those situations. Ed has a nice blog out about how the way the military embraced him, even though he's had no military experience, is that he faced the beast in another Mm Client, military client, that was going to physically harm him. And he used his wind sword, uh, by that I mean his verbal ability to calm this man down and not be physically attacked.
4: Mm -hmm. I had to
5: look at where have I been scared to death. And as an example, in martial arts, I went through a program that was street fighting. We had two guys... Who were going around the room, taunting us, speaking horrible things to us, picked me up from behind, threw, took me all the way across a big room, threw me on the mat, and I had to turn over on my back and put my feet up like you would with a little kid you were going to be
4: mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> backing, and the guy came down on me, and I flipped him over the top of my head. And Whoa. that was moment in time that I was scared out of my wits, but it was like I was able to deal with the beast physically that was Mm -hmm, on my back.
4: Yeah, yeah. Wow. I invite you all
5: to look at when have you mentally had to face the beast, and I will not go into detail, but my sister experienced psychosis and became very strong and very, very intimidating to me. And I had to use, like Ed had talked about, my wind sword in order to bring her out of the psychosis. So Mm -hmm. look at those times in your life and write about when you have been greatly afraid and met the beast and gone beyond it and been resilient because Mm -hmm. that's the goal we have when we're doing journaling with the military.
3: Mm, it's a, it's like making your warrior resume. Yes.
5: Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
3: What are the What are the experiences that, and what are the skills that I've learned from those
5: experiences in order
3: to be qualified to work with people who have put their lives in, at danger? Yeah. Yes.
5: That's it, Nathan. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Sure. Great sure. Reframe. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Linda. This has been very, very interesting. Very, I think, meaningful. I I really believe this is. Uh, I'm not sure who of the Journal Talk listeners are indeed attracted to this uh, area, but if they are and they want more support or they want to reach you or ask any questions, where can they reach you?
5: I think the best way to reach me is on email. And okay. um, <laughs> that is LWPeters, not Peterson, just LWPeters at UNR.edu.
3: Edu, okay and i'll put the link up as well so people can can find you at, uh, at the website where you have write out loud I, ha- I like that and where could they get get a copy of the book
5: uh that is on amazon now and it's on it's been made into an ebook so it's not very expensive it's kind of easy to download and i highly recommend anyone who wants to work with the military should get both the facilitator guide which is a six-session guide to working with the families. And then the other book, Write Out Loud, The Power of Journaling for Families that Live with Life-Threatening Work, is each of the six sessions that you might want to follow with the family or just give them a copy of the book.
4: hmm mm-hmm.
5: So that's an easy thing to do. Now, anybody who wants to do more self-examination before they get into this work might want to consider taking the online course on Write Out Loud. And if you email me, I would be happy to give you a link to how to get into the online kind of situation. And we're focusing this not just with military but also border patrol police
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: So it has applicability to other people that live every day with life-threatening work
3: yes yeah very good very good thank you so much and yeah let's, let's keep in touch and and as things unfold and you I'd, I'd love to hear i'd love to hear how things progress and sound so so worthwhile and now American Sniper just jumped up to the top of my list, so that's going to be the next movie I see.
5: <laughs> You'll probably go into it with, with your
3: devil and your... Um, Angel, yeah. <laughs> Linda on one side. and
5: Standing of um, what's going on behind
3: the scenes.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very yeah. much, Nathan.
3: All right, Linda. Thank you. Take care. Talk okay. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: This episode of Journal Talk is copyright and brought to you by Write for Life, a web resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journal writing. Find us online at www.writeforlife.us, spelled W-R-I-T-E, the number 4, L-I-F-E dot U-S. Thanks again for listening to Journal Talk.